Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones, and you are watching AM to DM. Friends, friends, friends. Okay, so you've heard of the like the Friday night news dump. Like, I love the Friday afternoon. Just Friday like, oh, night. everyone's really busy, so news, news, news. No one will notice. Love a good Friday. Have news you dump. heard of the 2:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time statement from the White House? Uh, you know, I have not heard that one yet. It's all the rage, children. It, did this it's happen last night? Pro- yes, the White House put a statement at 2:30 in the morning this morning um, about the Kavanaugh report and their findings that they feel that there's no cooperation. And I, I can't was imagine. This, was this a presidential alert? Was that that thing? <laughs> it wasn't. We're leaving that in the past. Oh, okay. We're okay, pretending okay. that like that text didn't even happen. But yeah, they put it. I can't imagine why the White House would decide to put a statement out about Kavanaugh out at 2.30 in the morning. 2.30 in the morning. An official okay. statement. An official statement on, you know, the most important FBI report, I would argue, in a very long time. Um, but have you also heard of 4 a.m. tweets? Now, here's the thing. Yes. That I have heard of. <laughs> love a good 4 a.m. tweet. You love it. You're actually you're a good 4 a.m. tweet. I love a 4 a.m. You wake tweet. up. Yes. Shout out to all of my, my girls uh, in British Twitter, because y'all are, <laughs> are usually wake Yeah, you know, you wake up 4 a.m., pee, get some water, you know, as you do. Uh, and, and then fall back asleep. Well, most people usually do. I grab my phone off the nightstand, uh-huh. and I see what's going on, on Twitter. I check some, like, news emails and see what's going on, and then I reply, fire off some random tweets, go to sleep, and forgot it happened. Which makes it so fun to work with him when I'm like, oh, from that email. And he's like, what are, what are you, you talking about? Talking about, but those emails are good, though. But why are we talking about 4 a.m. tweets? Well, because I'm not a senator. You're not. <laughs> yes. I always like shockingly, to say this. Yes. Shockingly, I am not the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, but here is a 4 a.m. tweet what? Uh, from Senator Chuck Grassley. And it's very coherent. Supplemental FBI background file for Judge Kavanaugh has been received by Senate Judiciary. I added a period here. <laughs> Ranking member Feinstein and I have agreed to alternating equal access for senators to study hashtag content from additional black background info, not background info, background info, mm. gathered by non-partisan FBI jumps. Wow, I really liked your edits there. You know, I really liked what you had, had to do, uh, because let's be honest, that tweet was a little confusing. Yeah. For everyone yeah. at home, what that meant was the FBI's Kavanaugh report has landed, and it is going to be a big, busy day in the Senate, Whew. so we are going straight to the district. And you know, I have to be honest, friends, I think we need to rethink the lie from the district graphic. Yeah, we, we, seem, to, we seem to be going straight to the district a lot these yeah. days. We Maybe need the some, flames from fire tweets. Some flames. Yeah. Maybe some flames. We'll, we'll talk to the design team. Anyway, joining us now to help us understand how this day will go uh, is BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lisandra Villa. Is it still a good morning, Lisa? Good morning. It is, and you know what? Let me tell you real quick. Uh, Senator Grassley is actually known to get up incredibly early to go on his morning run. So I don't know that he was actually up any earlier than usual. Oh, that's some good background info. Thank you. So you're saying he didn't like roll over, pop it off, and then go back to bed oh like a God, lot of us he was do? Power walking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for that. I'm sure he's had longer days, but yeah, that's what he's like. (laughs) All right, Lisa. Appreciate that background. Already getting journalism, children. Okay. Well, Lisa, with the FBI report now on the Hill, as Grassley said in his tweet, what do we know about how this next phase of the Kavanaugh, I don't even know what to call it, process journey? How, what do we know how this is going to go? process. Yeah, so basically we're looking at a vote on Kavanaugh here by the end of the week. So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell went on the floor last night and he filed for cloture, um, which means that there will be a cloture vote for senators on Friday, and that could put the final vote on Kavanaugh as early as Saturday. So it's a ne- the next couple of days are really going to be focused on are the votes there for Kavanaugh. Okay, now let's talk about them looking at this FBI report, though. How long will each senator have with it? Why is there only one? Like In a room? How, how are they looking at it? Yes, so there's one copy here on the Hill for senators only because it's a supplemental background uh, check into Kavanaugh. So Democrats and Republicans are alternating hours spent with the report today. And basically, I think we're just going to be hanging out outside of it and looking to see if there are any changes, if there's any information there that might have provided any any clarity, especially for the undecided members of the Senate. Um, But there's basically one for senators only. One for senators only. Um, Now, Lisa, of course, this is wild to me and Isaac, but, you know, we also are not experts on, you know, confirmation proceedings. So how um, 
unusual is it that there's like one copy of the report and all of this? Is there a precedent for this? It's actually, it, it depends on the situation, but for, for information like this that is sensitive, it's not unusual uh, for senators to have to go in and review it um, on, their, on their own. And I mean, occasionally some things become public, you know, obviously through, through the press, some things get leaked, um, but it just really depends on the situation. All right, the two things that I'm trying to grapple with in my mind are you are saying that there might be a vote as early as Saturday or Sunday, but there's also only one copy and like senators are passing it around <laughs> in this one room to look at. Won't looking at it that way take forever? Yeah. Where are we going to find the time? It well might. And, you know, a lot of senators have made up their minds. There might be some senators who decide they don't even care what's in the report. They've already decided how they're going to do it. So I, I really think that the emphasis right now is on the senators who have yet to announce how they want to vote. There are four who never said which way they were they were going to vote. And then Jeff Flake, who is who said he was going to support Kavanaugh, but then he delayed the the vote um, by, by a week so that this FBI investigation could take place. So he's a yes-ish. I don't know if you count him as undecided. Um, so I, I think all eyes are on them. All right. Well, here's a tweet from our own Paul McLeod. Here we go. Cloture. Vote for Kavanaugh on Friday, which means final vote Saturday or Sunday. So, Lisa, the Kavanaugh vote seems to be coming up. But first... I'm no vocab, vocab king. <laughs> what is cloture again? I know it's like a French-based word. <laughs> yeah. So cloture is basically a vote to end debate. Um, so so McConnell last night filed for cloture. There will be a cloture vote on Friday. And the threshold for Supreme Court nominees is normally you need 60 senators to end debate. But... Uh, Republicans actually lowered it to a simple majority, so it's 50 now. So they just need a simple majority to say, we're ending debate and we're going to go ahead and vote uh, as soon as closure time is up. I'm sorry, I just had an image of like Dianne Feinstein with a report trying to power walk. <laughs> just <laughs> get it out of the you're room. You're just trying to get your steps like in. You're just trying purpose. to get your steps in a, on this show. I need a Fitbit. Um, I did want to ask you, okay, let's focus though. Uh, Murkowski, Collins, Lake. Let's focus on the three of them. Do we have any indications at this point, uh, since the report made it to the Hill, of how the three of them might vote? Not since the report made it to the Hill. So Susan Collins and uh, Lisa Murkowski are the two Republicans that have not said how they're, how they're moving either way. And then Heidi Heitkamp and Joe Manchin are the two Democrats who haven't said which way they're going to vote. I spoke with Manchin for a little bit yesterday, and I asked him, what, what are you looking for in this report? And he just said he's looking for some clarity. He said he's truly undecided until he's seen this report. So we might see something a little bit sooner from the Democratic uh, senators. But remember that they, in order for Kavanaugh to not be confirmed, both of those Democrats have to vote no as well as um, the, the two Republican senators, because otherwise there could be a tie that Mike Pence could break. Yeah, and I wanted to ask about that because we've seen that in the past, right? Are people maybe expecting for a Mike Pence step-in situation? Because as you were just saying, they only need the 51 votes. I, I think I'm sure Mike Pence is going to be on hand. Let's put it that way. All right. He will be prepared to maybe make a decision if need be. Well, um, Lisa, to be cynical for a moment, I did want to ask, do we have a sense as to how Republicans and Democrats, respectively, uh, could use whatever is about to happen um, as campaign rhetoric? We, we are five weeks away from midterms. Absolutely. This is definitely going to be coming up on the campaign trail. And remember, the midterms aren't that far away. We're already into October. I did see an NPR poll yesterday that showed that the Kavanaugh situation is sort of awakening what they called a dormant GOP base. So this is maybe maybe getting some uh, conservative voters a little a little worked up about the election and might drive them out to the polls. Um, but, you know, the the liberal base has also been very upset since ever since the 2016 election. So we'll We'll see how things play out there. It's still several weeks away, but um, it, that's definitely a question that everyone's asking. Everybody's asking. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining this morning, as always. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Up next, it is still a good morning, Twitter. Lots to talk about. 
It's a morning. Uh, <laughs> coming up, we have my interview with Deborah Messing. Friends, I, we pre-taped this interview, I've got to admit. She doesn't know what LaCroix is. Oh, interesting. Well, stay tuned. Um, and Isaac is sitting down with Nat and Alex Wolf. Stay tuned, it'll be great. Awesome. hear the president tweeted? Let's ignore it. Uh, we wanted to highlight this tweet from Simar. Two Hispanic women were speaking to each other when they were approached by this racist white lady who harassed them for speaking in Spanish in the store. That is when another white woman, an ally, confronted her. Twitter, let's find this ally and thank her. Uh, friends, let's just take a quick look at this video. It is wow. You know what? Do not. I'm care. calling the cops. You know what? You leave these women alone. Get out. You know, go! Get out, go. You know what I'm talking about there? That is that B-A-E, baby. He's been saying this all morning. What is Big it? ally oh. energy. Mm -hmm. There it is. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Saeed doesn't love it. I don't like but it. But everybody else on the production team did. It's fine. So we went with it. I've been outvoted. He's been outvoted. And like, <laughs> and then, but for serious, there's no cookies here to be had. Yeah. Uh, but it is doing the right thing. It's literally, if you watch the full video, it's a how-to guide. Yeah. Bammy, you tweeted, the way she said, get out, go. Sounds like she was casting a demon out of that lady. Yeah. First of all, shout out to JoJo. Get out, leave. But also, like, get out of the country, lady. This is not what we want. Well, I wish she was exercising. This is demon. not what we are talking about. Just from that woman, uh -huh. from this country. Yeah, just go, lady. Well, Aisha Siddiqui had this to say: This exact situation, racist white woman harassing someone in a grocery store, happens every day. And this is the first time I've seen an intervention. Love it. And that's such a great way to frame this: an intervention. Mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just really. It was. It was an incredible moment to mm -hmm. witness. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's reporting that has followed it up. We will tweet that story out yeah. now. You should know that the, she did indeed call the cops as she threatened to. The right. police showed up. The women then the woman then defended herself, the harasser. She yeah. said, uh, you know, this is freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. It's my patriotic and civic duty. Yeah. I'm not being racist. And the police that showed up said, oh, we disagree. Yeah, and the, she the cop was, was like, arrested. I literally hear what you're saying and this is harassment. And it is harassment. So listen, see something, say something. All right, Twitter? And, and we wanted to ask you, have you ever felt compelled to stand up for someone you don't know? Tell us the story. Let us know about it using the hashtag AM to do the right thing. I love it. I love it. Models for good civic duty. Yeah. That's what we're thinking B about. B-A? I'm not going to say it. Okay. Ah, he came close, though. He's trying. He's trying. Okay, now listen. Uh, it is, of course, very possible uh, that the FBI investigation into Brett Kavanaugh may not have looked into questions about his history of drinking at all. And, of course, that's been a huge part of this conversation. Um, but that doesn't mean we here on AM to DM aren't interested in, in talking about it. So both in terms of the confirmation, the allegations from Dr. Blasey Ford, but also just, like, the broader culture of drinking. Absolutely. And I saw a lot of those... Um pictures that were released from mm -hmm. his yearbook online oh, yeah. as well yeah. yesterday. Well, listen, Sarah Heppola, author of the book Blackout, Remembering the Things I Drank to Forget, joins us now. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Thank Thanks for you joining so us. much for joining us. Here's a tweet from Pamela Koloff. Brilliant and powerful essay by Sarah Heppola on a key element of the Kavanaugh story, binge drinking and its effect on the brain. When men are in a blackout, they do things to the world. When women are in a blackout, things are done to them. So Sarah, what in particular about Kavanaugh's hearing sparked you to write this essay? Yeah, so probably the, the first thing that got my attention was the question from Rachel Mitchell directly asking him if he had ever passed out. And his answer was something like, and I don't have the quote in front of me right now, but it was something like, no, you mean, did I, did I, I felt fallen asleep, but did I ever blackout? No, is that the allegation? No. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple things going on in that answer. One is that, you know, for somebody that drinks, I mean, you know, most of us come from the drinking world, like saying that you were asleep instead of passed out is like totally a semantic dodge. But the more important point is that like, he was conflating a question about passing out with the issue of blacking out. And as someone who has actually literally written the book on blackouts, I know that to be the most common misperception. And so that got my attention. And really the entire, you know, all the questioning that uh, around his drinking showed either elements of evasiveness or I would say, I would say that the opportunity to talk about 
the the scientific mechanism of what goes on in the brain. You know, it's so interesting because Christine Blasey Ford's uh, testimony was very eloquent on the issue of memory formation, but memory formation is also key in Kavanaugh's story. Mm. And yet that we didn't get a chance. I didn't feel like people watching that testimony had a chance to listen to how the heavy alcohol use might disable memory formation. I absolutely agree. In your piece, you and in your book, um, which is wonderful and everyone should read it, you note that we have such a long history in our country of judges, journalists, lawyers, um, disregarding the science of blackouts, just pretending they don't exist or just kind of interpreting and misinterpreting it. So let's make it very simple. What is a blackout? How does it happen? Yeah, thanks for asking that. A blackout is when you drink so much that your long-term memory shuts down. And it's different from, a, from passing out because that's when you're unconscious or asleep. But in a blackout, you're still walking and talking and interacting with people, but later you have no memory of it. Um, it's, it, you know, it can last anywhere from five to 10 minutes two hours at a time. There's two kinds of blackouts, fragmentary and on block. That's more than you need to know. But the point being that blackouts, like anything else, exist on a spectrum from mundane to quite dramatic. People like me that have the very dramatic kind are usually aware of their own blackouts. People that have the more, have the more mundane kind, which is the much more common kind, we see that about 50% of drinkers experience them. They often don't know that they're having them. Because it's sort of a weird thing. If you don't remember something, how do you know you don't remember it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, what a conundrum. If you don't remember something, how do you know you don't remember it? I wanted to ask more that line that we said earlier in the tweet. Uh, talk more about the collision of gender and blackouts and the different ways that basically society interprets them when they happen to men and they happen to women. Yeah, so that quote came from an expert that I had interviewed for my book when I was first learning about the science of blackout. Um, I remember when he said it to me, uh, I originally had a sort of, like, I don't like broad sweeping generalizations about men and women. So my first thought as a contrarian is like, but wait, but this. And it's true that, that we can find instances in which men are, you know, <laughs> are uh, uh, traumatized or, or like uh, made a victim in a blackout and, and issues in which women are turned into aggressors, but as a broad and sweeping generalization, men either through their biology, anatomy, social conditioning, whatever, end up being sort of aggressive in blackouts. You know, when I hear story from men, it's often about uh, things that they don't remember. It's often things like they punch someone or they were sexually violent, they enact violence on the world, and women are often in a blackout, the recipients of that, because the, the tendency for women when drunk is one of compliance. Mm. You know, it's a disinhibiting agent. You know, alcohol is one of those things. You know, there's a long philosophical and complicated conversation to be had about that whole in vino veritas idea. Are we really more like ourselves when we're drinking? And I think the answer is too complicated. I mean, sometimes yes, but often no. Alcohol can be a really distorting device. And, you know, if you drink yourself past a certain point, you will say yes to things that you otherwise would never say yes to um, or do things that you would normally ever do normally ever do. So somehow all of that, which <laughs> I sort of stumbled through, got very eloquently condensed in this quote, when men are in a blackout, they do things to the world. And when women are in a blackout, things are done to them. Incredibly powerful. Well, uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for, with your essay and with your book, giving us an opportunity to talk about something that, as Princess Leia says, we have to reevaluate our culture of drinking. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well, listen, in a new poll from BuzzFeed News, half of millennial Democrats would identify as a democratic socialist or a straight-up socialist. Huh, none of that halfway socialist Yeah, none of that, none of that it's, half. It's 2018. Are you in or are you out? <laughs> in or out. Okay, well, we, or rather someone in this building, uh, just hit publish on this article moments ago. And here to help us walk through the numbers is politics editor uh, Matt Berman. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Great. We can roll with it. Um, to start here, um, why did BuzzFeed News decide to publish this poll? Sure. So we have been just as curious as a whole lot of other people have been uh, going through the midterms about what uh, millennials are thinking about in terms of politics right now. Like, what is it that is engaging them? Are they really 
uh, feeling motivated and driven to get out and to vote into these elections, especially elections when uh, historically younger people don't necessarily vote as much. Uh, and, you know, we've also obviously seen a lot of movements based around younger people like March for Our Lives and whatever else. So we thought it would be a good time to just take a broad survey of political attitudes among millennials right now. Hmm. All right. And, and what were some of the other I know we just led with that fact, but what were some of the other numbers that came out of it? What else did we learn? So there are a lot of interesting gender splits uh, where millennial men and millennial women feel differently about a range of issues. Uh, one sort of, um, I guess you say, disturbing uh, finding that, that was in there was that about a third of millennial men, uh, if everything else was equal, would prefer to have a white candidate for political office, uh, which was a smaller number for women who believed that way. And you also had numbers where uh, a decent number of millennial men would prefer if a candidate was a man, which wasn't really the case for women feeling that way about women candidates. Uh, so there's some interesting kind of gaps there and how people are feeling. Yeah, let's talk about some of the gaps. Do we have a sense, for example, of why millennial men are more likely to identify as Democrats? Uh, no, you know, we don't actually have like the, the best idea right now of, of why some of this is happening. I mean, I think we can like look and see, especially when you look at some of those numbers about uh, how millennials feel about Trump, which they broadly disapprove of Trump. Uh, could be driving some of that, but it's it's hard to say exactly why some of these results uh, are, are happening. Another result that kind of caught my mind was that women are uh, less likely to say they are directly involved in politics. What were the numbers? What was the breakdown? Yeah, yeah I, I was personally I was surprised to see that, especially as you know we think of uh, the women's march as being one of the most dominant things that uh, we've seen in our politics in the last like two years when it comes to like big uh, movements of people, but when it comes to either donating to candidates or getting involved in a protest or demonstration or going to a rally for a political candidate, uh, men were more likely than women, uh, in some cases by decent margins, uh, to be involved in those kinds of activities. Okay. To, to go a little bit more broad here for a moment, um, given the experience we all had with polls going into the 2016 election, I do have to ask you, are polls still relevant or impactful? I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it's kind of like, can we, I don't want to get hurt again, Matt. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's it's a great question. And I think it's something that we're all kind of grappling with. I, th I think for the way that I'm at least thinking about this this poll is it's one set of data, right? And like, I we, we worked with a good pollster to, to pull this data together, but it's the, the way that polls have, uh, worked best in recent years is when you have a bunch of different polls and you can sort of uh, look at the data together side by side and look at like what differences might be. Like, let's say if you're looking at like a specific house race, it's really nice to have like five polls on that house race. So you can kind of compare and, and see uh, if, if there are similarities or if there are big gaps or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say. It's really, it's, it's a weird time for polling for sure. It's a weird time for <laughs> polling for sure. Well, Matt, uh, it's now out there on the timeline. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yep, thank you. All right, friends, uh, I have reached the part of the news cycle where I am laughing constantly at every little thing because I think I'm just like, find some joy. We, we got to find some joy. So it's time for fire tweets. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. Fire! Fire! All right, you ready to get right into this, Let's Joy? set it ablaze, darling. All right, let's do it. Casey Newton, you tweeted, if I wanted my phone to scream messages from the president, I would just look at Twitter. <laughs> I think everybody was feeling uh, that way yesterday. Oh, man. Okay, I have to tell you. Uh -huh. I told y'all. First of all, I know you got that warning tweet from AM to DM. Ten minutes ahead of that, I turned off my phone. Okay. And we went for a walk. We did. I, but when I turned it on, I realized I didn't get the text at all. Uh -huh. Did you? Oh, when you turned it back on? Uh-huh. Uh, I did get the text okay. yesterday. And again, I'm going to say, I know I keep saying this, it's not like he's texting us directly. Whatever. It's alert system. Uh -huh. It's for safety. Cool. All right. All right. This tweet comes from Ian, I'm going to say Carmel. That's Ian correct. Carmel. That is, okay. how, is you that how you say yeah, his name? Absolutely. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, just an absolutely awful day for my enemies as I smell amazing yet again. <laughs> I like to call this scent defiance. I love, ooh. Are you going to get in the perfume game? I, yeah, I, ooh. There you go. Mm. First plants, then perfume. Then Who knows politics? what's next? Then Our, politics. Oh, right. <laughs> Orb, you tweeted, Bikini Bottom is a perfectly functioning socialist society. Squidward and SpongeBob are homeowners on minimum wage. And Sandy, an immigrant and woman scientist, has nearly limitless funding for her research. <laughs> ah, 
Just oh, a brief moment man. to live under the sea. I need to, you know, I have to admit, I feel like I just missed, like, I, I just missed Squen- uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. <laughs> when it was on, like, I've, I haven't, like, watched a lot of it. You got, here's the I thing. I feel like I would like it. Half the memes on the internet That's true. are SpongeBob. That's a good point. Inspired. Yeah. So I would recommend I giving go it to a the view. source. Yeah, you can enjoy it. I'll start watching it. Okay, this week comes from Mike Drucker, who's just a delight on Twitter. Shout out to everyone else who apologizes for talking too much uh, during therapy. Woo! Is that a mood? That, you know, it's a face. (laughs) (laughs) I think for some of us, it's a face that you kind of work through. I remember before, my, my, I don't know, I've mentioned this, my therapist uh, very rarely speaks, uh, and he does not speak in declarative sentences. He will only ask maybe one or two questions for the whole 45 minutes. I like that. He's he's letting you have some (laughs) self-discovery. Uh-huh. Or he's just like, you know what? I I don't get paid by the word. (laughs) Here we go. Tweet of the day. Let's go. It's from Provo. The H in ghost is actually a little ghost waving at you. Now, leave this up. Leave this leave up. It up for just, a oh, oh is, is it this way? It's just a little H. It's so cute. Look at it. Look at that little H. I'm telling you, when I saw that tweet yesterday, I just sat and looked at the word ghost for a smooth two minutes. Yeah, me That little H, that little hump. No, it didn't. No, I got it immediately. Oh, you were just like. It just brought me such joy. I might have. Waved back. <laughs> hey, little guy. Hey, little guy. I love it. All right. Well, after the break, we're going out here. Uh, the CEO, or soon-to-be CEO, maybe, of Grinder is here, Zach Stafford. Whoa. We're going to be talking about their new campaign, Kinder. It's really interesting. Oh. Get into it. Yeah, I will. I love I've, it. I've seen it. I like it. Hello, my queens and queen-adjacent viewers. Uh, The popular dating app, Grindr, recently announced Kinder, a campaign to combat discrimination and racist language on its platform. Today, for Out Here, I'm with Zach Stafford, the chief content officer and editor-in-chief of Into. Almost gave you a promotion. No, you did. Out there. I'm powerful. I'm not that powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. My boss is about to call me. Well, to start, um, let's take a look at the video that kicked off the Kinder campaign. Let's do it. Let's just say you say no black people, no fat people on your profile. You genuinely believe that. So let's just say you have to interact with them at your job. You're probably not going to treat them as well. You're probably not going to give them the right customer service that they should probably get. So yeah, no, it's not just, it's just grinder. Just because I'm black and just because I'm tall and thin and gorgeous doesn't mean that you're going to get the top experience of your life. You might if you play your cards right. Okay. Um, I, I love the video series, and it was like very powerful to hear people of color, people um, differently abled, mm-hmm. talking about their experiences. So it was a great campaign. Um, but what does it mean in practice? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of folks have come to us and said, oh, you all made a really beautiful video, but will video stop systems like racism, body shaming, HIV stigma? And, and that was a really great question because these videos are coming out in concert with major policy changes. Okay. Where the campaign came from is about six to seven months ago. We've been talking uh, prior to a lot of new folks getting hired around mm-hmm. how can we do these larger changes. And the head of customer service said, hey, we need to create better policy guidelines. Mm-hmm. And the creative teams were like, oh, we could use those guideline changes to create not only really great content that brings the user's experiences into the conversation as the focal point, but also do really major changes to the app. And some of that is now we do ban uh, certain phrases and language that we do find to be discriminatory. And so what, they, what are some of those phrases? So phrases like no fats, no fems, no Asians. Okay. Uh, Grindr has unfortunately popularized those over the p- almost decade that we've mm-hmm. been out. Um, and we kind of are seen as like the creator of phrases um, that are racist on your dating profile. Um, we as a company have never talked about that. Mm. Um, so we thought that was a great jumping off point to say say, not only are we gonna have videos exploring why that's really damaging, mm-hmm. but then ban them in, mm-hmm. in totality. And what that means in terms of like the app usage is we're slowly rolling out through our customer service team new moderation services where mm-hmm. we're gonna be taking that language out. Users can flag them through an easier kind of system okay. to, to contact the moderation teams. Okay. Um, and then that's gone, and then people will be alerted around that. So okay. we're trying to begin a conversation while also doing really big systems changes, mm-hmm. but we couldn't just rip a lot of things out. It had to be a conversation with the community. Because as you know too, that these issues, not 
everyone's on the same page. And right. it gets really complicated when you're talking about racism and love, right. body shaming and love, because love has been the one place where we think that these things can go unchecked for mm. many, for a long time. Mm. Even more so with sex. Yeah. Um, now, now and, and you nodded to this, uh, and I have some tweets about it I'm gonna read. Um, you know, Grindr does have to own, as you mentioned, like, mm -hmm. no fats, no films, literally in some ways, you know, kind yeah. of is now like shorthand or everything, but a lot of our introduction to mm -hmm. this aspect, not that sexual racism didn't exist until Grindr did, um, but it's been introduced to a lot of us yeah. through our experiences on the app. So some tweets about it. This one um, is from Blasian um, FMA, and then I'll read another one too. Um, if Kinder Grinder is an initiative to make Grinder a less toxic platform, then why are Grinder Extra members, I guess like the mm -hmm. premium version, still allowed to filter people based on ethnicity, HIV status, size, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. So we did have this filter like every other app in mm -hmm. our space that allows you to find people that specifically meet your desires. And okay. for uh, over a decade and decades, we've been told that your preferences are innate, that when you wake up in the morning and you want a blonde haired, abdomen white guy, mm -hmm. That that's because that's what your genetics want. And we know that's not very tr that's not true anymore. Um, so the filters across many of our platforms have existed and now we're trying to have a conversation of like what to do with them. Okay. So instead of ripping them out during this first phase of Kinder, which will go on for the next at least five weeks with us and then go on after into the new year, um, we're having conversations with different high profile folks and organizations of like how can we reimagine the entire system of dating mm. apps? Um, because if we just took out the race filter, um, people would then just start blocking more or people mm. start using ghost signs in private messages mm -hmm. the same of blacks. And as we know with racism, it always is mutating and changing. Mm -hmm. So instead of being like, oh, we took out filters, racism's over, mm -hmm. we're saying, okay, yes, we do hear you, and I do agree that the filters can be are quite racist many times, um, but we need to figure out how to change them, and we need to work with the community to know what would work best for them. So that's why the campaign's stretching for so long, because it's a conversation okay. um, where we're making major changes throughout it as we hear more back from the community. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> this tweet username is uh, reminds me why I love my job so much. This is a good tweet um, from from Wienersack, <laughs> you tweeted, Grindr has been enforcing and fueling toxic traits in the gay community for nearly a decade, and now they want to try to act like they're all inclusive app, LOL, like what? It's yeah. a glorified personal ad. Stop trying to cash in on this kinder grinder marketing bullshit. Yeah. Okay, so tough question, but brought the realness. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to people I love who, who say like, this is too little too late? Yeah, or, or that you're trying to cash in on inclusive? I, I love that question a lot, uh, mainly because I've been at Grindr for a year, as you know, mm -hmm. and before I said the same things about Grindr. I was like, God, this is such a racist app and mm -hmm. platform. You know, my own experiences very much informed that for me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I came in and we've been able to hire a lot of people to help us reimagine the app, mm -hmm. um, especially through Into, our digital platform mm -hmm. that has become a really powerful LGBT news outlet, um, that is definitely Definitely the influence from that platform into Grindr now to say, let's reimagine this space. What people don't really think about with Grindr is that we've had Grindr in America for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. Currently in India, we're just now getting it. That's 11.2 million people. In parts of Africa, they're just now getting it. So yes, Grindr is really late to this conversation mm -hmm. um, here in America, and that's only happening because people like me have joined the company, leaving mm -hmm. other jobs. Um, but for others in new emerging uh, digital ages, or digital spaces, this is the first time they're having the conversation. Mm -hmm. So we had to do it. Um, and it's not just this campaign campaign to get more users or to make money, but it's to have a real conversation because if we didn't do this, mm -hmm. Grindr would only continue to grow and these systems would continue to go unchecked. So we had to step in. And it is late, but you know, it's better late than never, I think. Okay. One more question about yeah. this, and then this is this is about you. Yeah. Like as you mentioned, you've been at Grindr for just over a year, editor in chief of Into, which is does I think great stuff and I really love it. But to the question mm -hmm. of people who look at organizations or platforms or schools that have a reputation mm -hmm. for being, you know, toxic, racist, whatever. And then you you are the marginalized person who goes, should I step into this yep. space? Should I associate? How would you talk about that calculus to people? Because I think this is something that we deal with a lot. Yeah, it is a lot of folks that look like me or you that step into an organization to change it mm -hmm. um, and then do the work that, you know, we didn't create that violence. Mm -hmm. And I know, I don't think I have the best answer to that, but I know in my career, I've done that with Out Magazine. Mm -hmm. I've done that work at The Guardian even, where it's like, you gotta show up because these systems like white supremacy are so massive and stretch mm -hmm. outside of these companies mm -hmm. that sometimes they are the best place for an intervention. And you know, where I think there's a lot of kind of like, oh, is Grindr actually gonna 
make real change. We'll see as we roll out the campaign, and I keep fighting with my team to make these changes. Um, but if we didn't, it, these would continue to go on. And then we live in a world where no other app is even talking about racism. Because when we launched, right after we started teasing the campaign, all the other apps, even including OkCupid, started making changes to their platforms. So while people do like have some like Ugh, about Grinder, we are considered a leader in the space. We were the first. So whatever we do, it does ripple through the whole community. Um, so of course, at the end of the day, if those users are like, I still don't trust Grinder, but it made OkCupid safer for them or Tinder. Hmm. I'm happy with that too. Okay. I think it's successful. Okay. Well, of course, you have a background, of course, as an editor and an investigative journalist. <laughs> um, so I also wanted to talk about an important news story that because of everything that is going on, um, is kind of being overlooked. Here's a tweet from you. Uh, you tweeted in response to the Trump administration's policy that it would deny uh, visas to same-sex partners of diplomats who are not married. And you said, this administration's commitment to erasing LGBTQ rights is astounding. So why is this new policy, this policy to deny visas mm -hmm. to the queer partners of diplomats uh, so damaging? It's, I think why people are so shocked about this change in policy is that it came out of nowhere and yeah. it's really unprompted. We've had marriage equality since 2015 with the Oberfeld and Hodges ruling, which created uh, marriage access across the United States to everyone, especially same-sex couples. Um, so to have a State Department change out of nowhere to say U.S. diplomats are folks that are coming to the U.S. on behalf of other countries, if they're in a same-sex uh, situation or relationship, but they don't have a marriage, how we define marriage here, then they won't be able to have a G4 visa is kind of insane because no one even asked for this. Like, where did this come from? Mm. And the Trump administration continues to find these weird loopholes to kind of punish LGBT people through policies we passed under Obama because this policy was a Hillary Clinton policy mm. in 2009. So we're seeing moments of the Clintons did something or the Obamas did something to protect LGBT people and the Trump administration's using all their power to kind of make it not a good thing anymore. And that's where I think it's really incredible because it takes a really petty person to think, oh, I want to do this policy change, which impacts 105 people directly starting the end of next month. Mm. Um, and that is crazy, because what it also sends is a louder message to the world. And it's very much in line with Trump, with his border walls and kind of American is the best ideas, <laughs> is that um, these diplomats, the reason why we gave them this access was to send a message to their countries who didn't have marriage equality to say that this is a good thing. Mm. Now that Trump's saying, no, it isn't, mm -hmm. these countries may not move the needle on doing something that everyone really needs for us to be fully equal around wow. the world. So Again, deeply important story, and unfortunately, I wish we could talk about it yeah. more, you know, everywhere, but um, I'm glad we at least got to yes. that a bit. Again, Zach, thank you so much you. for joining us. Up next, Isaac sits down with Nat and Alex Wolf. Thank you, love. Thank you. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Nat and Alex Wolf the stars of the new movie, Stella's Last Weekend. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hello, how you doing? Doing good, how are you guys doing? I love your finger tats. We were just talking about your finger Thank tats. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Very do you guys have tattoos yourselves? I have five, Nat has one. Yeah, I have one. Whoa. So who, do the math. Who got the first one? We got them together, we got a, we got a match. The first one together, and then yeah. I got the bug. All right, and, and that's and all of a sudden it's kind of like slapping, kind of bumper stickers on an old jalopy. That's how I feel. Yeah, about I'm it much at this less point. precious about it. I honestly could do if someone told me to get anything. He's I'd got our mom's name written on his written back. on my back. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And your mom wrote and directed this film and starred in it. Yeah. So as a present back to her, he got her name. Yeah, exactly. After the film yeah, was it, wrapped. After the film, yeah. What was it like working with somebody who knows you both so well and working like on a script and on a project? Uh, who, uh, with your family. I think you can cut through a lot of the bullshit, I think, because, you know, we're so close. And then also the fact that, uh, you know, we worked together when we, were, when we were kids. My mom worked in the Naked Brothers Band and we did all the music. And then I think if we had worked together sometime in between these two projects, there, it might have been hard, you know, uh, when we were teenagers and, and, and a little, you know, rebelling. And, and, but now at this point, we both have, we, we've all had our own individual careers and stuff, so it was... Uh, it kind of felt like, I think, the vibe of, like, um, the all-star game or something, where everyone, the stakes are kind of low and everyone's just having a really good time, but still, you know, they want to do a good job and play. It was kind of like we were all just, it was very relaxed and felt just like it was a, a fun gift. celebration. It was a gift. It was a gift. And, and we, we all got to really come together as a family, and, you know, our dad... Uh, had had been sick a couple of years ago and we all and then he got better and we all really bonded through that and then this movie was like a really it was like yeah a blessing getting to do a it a blessing and it, it's yeah. about two brothers that kind of hold the flame for the same woman it's right. also about a dog's last weekend right, and right. real quick the dog 
is actually your guys' dog, too. Yes. Like, when you say family affair, you mean family, family yeah. affair. Literally a dog, yeah. We tend to put our dogs, our old dog was in our show that we were on when we were younger, uh -huh. uh, E.T., and then this dog we adopted specifically, or actually my mom just brought home one day, and she was giant and sick and, and looked like a She was whale. a homeless person's dog. A homeless you know, person's and, dog. Uh, and she was probably like nine or 10. And then, my, yeah, my mom adopted her and, and put her in the movie and through through getting to know us and through the movie and stuff, she started to just re, you know, re come to life. Vitalized. She I mean, she, <laughs> she looked, lost, getting healthier. Yeah, she got lost she a bunch of weight. Exactly she was running. Picture so by the end of the movie dog, where we're trying yeah. to shoot these scenes where she's dying and stuff, she's like running around, jumping <laughs> up, and running to, to get dog food and like, you know. What's the dog's it was like real Benjamin name? Benjamin Button. Stella. It is Stella. Stella. Well, Stella. The, You're like okay, Stella. I found out something really funny. Her name is not, my mom, Thought it was Stella. Her actual name is Sasha. It was well, Sasha. And it was my mom for came three days from memory. the shelter. Yeah, and, and her memory just messed up. She goes, "It's Stella." So we started calling her Stella. And then she looked at her collar and was like, "Oh, it's like two months later." So it was like yeah. actually <laughs> misremembered. Yeah. What is it like for you guys to be working together again? Is there? Are there? We've been in a band. Inside we've been in a band. I mean, in a band, band for years since together. Kids, so. so it's yeah. it's almost it, like when we went to come do this press day, we we're like. Why does this feel not strange? We, yeah, we, do we do press for our music, music all the time. Yeah. But this is our first time, you know, acting together for forever. And, it's and what did that feel like? Were there like in jokes, stuff from the band, like stuff from the road that made it in? <laughs> well, Alex has a character <laughs> named something was there. <laughs> 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 Alex, did, Alex has a character named Nelson, who's like this. The character that he does it pretty much is his way of expressing like his this. vulnerability. He's like, and, hey, I'm Nelson. My best friend's my mom. I used to do this character in high school named George Walters. <laughs> And, the two, and my so mom put the two characters in it, and we would inter. And it's how we used to interact, like when we were younger too. And so, so my mom put those characters in the movie. So a bunch of the scenes just has a, have us riffing, you know, as those characters. <laughs> Wait, did you, was your mom ever have to be like, guys, like get serious, like turn around? All the time. That was most of the all the time. But also, yeah. she just kind of would roll the camera and let us just kind of play around or whatever. But I remember first reading the script being like, oh, I said that, I said that, I said that, I said that, yeah. Um, you mentioned, I mean, look, you guys have done music together, you've been acting, you've been in this since 2005. 13 years, a lot of your life. We've been in this since the womb, bro. Yeah, We've been I mean, in this since since it was born. So We've when- been this with us since the fetus days, bro. <laughs> since, since the fetus days. What are some of the things you've learned? Not much. Not much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pretty dry. It's kind of stayed at no one life, level. No life one lessons. Level. Huh? Not really Nothing? at all. We kind of froze at that 2005 age, and it's just. <laughs> 2005 has <laughs> been downhill since 2000. <laughs> well, no, because you guys have worked on a lot of different projects, like you, and 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 you've got this huge fan base. Uh, I wanted to ask real quick, did you did you watch Hereditary? I'm a huge. I mean, I'm I'm Alex's biggest fan. I think that's. We're each other's biggest fans, which also I think makes Stella really great is that I think we're both kind of lighting, like we're teeing each other up for, for moments and like helping yeah, I mean, each other. I remember Alex coming to a premiere of mine and then writing on a sign, I like Nat before it was cool. And then Very I, good. I, well, I did that a few times. I had different signs each time. And then what, I went, what were some of the other ones? Um, uh, there were a lot, of, a lot of ones that were just like um, Nat, Nat's a superstar, just kind of nice Nat, one. But then they started brother. as they. Ooh, very nice. What did I do? Nat's a gangster brother. Nat's a gangster brother. That one meant a lot to you. I can tell you remembered it. Yeah, I remember you that. There were a few. I carry, and then at Alex's premiere, Hereditary, I carried him down the down his red <laughs> carpet, and you know, I mean, we're like, you can't get closer as, as two brothers, and and uh, it's super lucky. You know? Did 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 you watch? You you stayed for the premiere, then you watched? Like, did and it scare the watched. shit out of me? Yes, what I'm trying to It seemed harder for him to watch than anybody. He was like, oh my god. Like, it was just painful to watch your brother, like you know, get his face like banged in and stuff. But honestly, to me, the main thing, the main takeaway was just what a brilliant actor he is. Especially you know, like just watching that scene where he, he kills the girl and then he's sitting in the car and they're hanging on his face and you know, I, I just alert. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, it's in the <laughs> yeah, whatever. But it's, it's just, been out I was for just blown away by you know his acting and 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 I think it's like, you know, it's. I would still love anything Alex did, even if he was terrible, you know, but it's so lucky that I don't yeah. have to lie, you know? Yeah. Is there, I asked life lessons and we were pretty, but like, what about lessons from each other? Are there things that you've taught? Well, I tell, well, that's what I say all the time, is that I, I learned everything from Nat about everything and how oh. we're going to start <laughs> making out. All right, well, we're going to test how well you guys truly know each other, all right? All right. Again, play just a little bit You know what, I don't, here. I just want to put out there, I don't think we're going to do very well. In this really? Episode. Yeah. I, we're yet to meet. I don't I know, man. I, we will wait, see. Wait, 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 wait. What's, what's it explain? Yeah, I'm going to explain this okay. to you, all right? This is what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to hold up which brother, either yourself or your brother, you think is like the correct answer. We don't the other person doing it. 
No, I mean it's it's fine. It's very relaxed. There's there's not going to be any. And then grade. we have to Don't turn look around. At me. We have to turn around. And Don't look at me. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's. Uh, there's very low stakes, but let's. We can start with like a, an example. But how do one. you win? <laughs> how do? How Are do you guys win? competitive? <laughs> yeah. Yes. How Seems do we win? win? How do All right. We win? Whoever gets the most points is definitely the best brother. Let's put some there stakes on it. Okay. There it is. Okay. You feel better? Here we go. Okay. Just explain. Sorry. One more thing. How do we get points? You're going to answer it correctly. So okay. I, let's do the first question. It'll make okay, sense. Okay, okay, okay. Who spends more time on Twitter? Alex, Alex, boom. boom. Point, point. Done. Got it. Boom. Who is more likely to direct a movie? Alex, Alex, boom, boom. boom. All right, all right. Who sleeps in later? Ooh. Nat and Alex. Oh. All right. So that's no point. No point. I will say this. I'm just putting the, the myself. I don't know about myself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Who would be more excited for a Naked Brothers Band reunion? <laughs> Neither of us. Neither of you. That ain't done. Right. And that's in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Again, you no, get the point. You both totally both agreed. Joking, joking. And who? No, you you can just say it too. Who calls home more often? Alex, Alex, boom! You guys nailed it. Come on, give it a round, just round of applause for you guys. Very nice job. I would say you both won. Get even. You're both great. I don't think it's physically possible to to win. This no, game. I think I you think are you both win because great. Both because you're both doing it. Each it's one. a little objective. Can we keep playing? It, that's it. That's it. Come up with a random one. Go okay, one, one last off your, one last oh, one. All right, last ones real quick. Three. Who's in a row. more handsome? See, good brothers to the end. That's you both win because you're such lovely brothers. Thank you so much for joining us. Stella's last weekend is in select theaters on October 2nd and available on digital October 23rd. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Stay brilliant, brothers. Thanks so much. More aim to DM in just a moment. BuzzFeed News tweeted. Shane Dawson and Jake Paul are slinging around an outdated medical term in the name of content and YouTube commenters have become armchair psychologists overnight. Yes, unfortunately, we are still talking about Jake Paul. We may never talk talking about Jake Paul until this world implodes on itself. Remy Smith, BuzzFeed News reporter, joins me now to unpack this latest stupidity and drama. Remy, thank you so much for coming on to talk of about Of course. Okay, so... For those of us who are not up on this latest drama, what is this docu-series? So Shane Dawson is a YouTuber. He's really respected in the community, and he's been making these long-form sort of documentary series, entertainment-based, on personalities in that community. And his latest focus is Jake Paul. And the first few episodes have sort of focused on Jake Paul's psychology but the series also promises to cover the controversies surrounding the star, and also, of course, people in his orbit, former members of his talent incubation company, and, of course, his older, also controversial brother, Logan Paul. Okay, so four episodes have come out so far. I know I sat down to watch the full episode yesterday because you guys were writing about it, and I was like, okay, I need to, write a, I need to watch this, and it was 50 minutes long. So there's four hours of content. There promises to be eight hours of content. It's insane. There's so much. And people are going crazy for them. Yeah, but the main question they have asked so far is, is Jake Paul a sociopath? And that's not really an accurate thing to say anyway, right? I mean, this is like, it's an outdated term. It's very nuanced. Why do you think he is asking that question? Well, there's so much controversy surrounding Jake Paul and the Paul brothers in general. And a lot of people have attacked them. A lot of people have dunked on them for the things that they have done in the past. I mean, Logan Paul in a recent video said, you know, I understand why we are the center of this controversy. The, the reason why he's focusing on the psychology of that, something that Dawson has said that he's interested in, but it's generated a lot of criticism because people have sort of found his speculation to to be inappropriate. Yeah, he's had, you know, people that he says are therapists on. We don't really know what their real credentials are to basically speculate if someone they haven't died, they haven't actually sat down with has this, you know, personality disorder. I mean, it's a little insane. 
But have the Paul brothers responded to this at all? I mean, they're ma he's making a four-hour-long documentary about how you're a sociopath. So Logan Paul did address the series in a video. He, you know, is he said he's friends with Dawson and applauded the work that Dawson was doing, but he was also critical of the way he's sort of discussing this and said to Dawson, you know, your audience is young and impressionable. Jake Paul himself has tweeted saying that he feels that he's being labeled a sociopath, that he and his family feel that way, and that he's not really interested in that angle. He's more interested in the series showcasing his life and who he is. So why is Shane Dawson doing this? I think that's the main question here. I mean, Jake Paul is the center of YouTube controversy. He, in many ways, dominates that world when it comes to drama. So a lot of people are curious to sort of see to see Jake Paul address these controversies. You know, Shane Dawson himself is an entertainer. He's not a journalist, but Dawson has been able to speak to personalities somewhat candidly about, about their lives and their thoughts. So time will tell if Jake Paul speaks earnestly with him. And I think a lot of people are interested in seeing that. So do you think that this is going to change any way that the Paul brothers act on the platform? Or is this basically just one YouTuber doing a YouTube stunt to prop up other YouTubers to do stunts, and it's all just kind of for ratings and no one cares about it. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I mean, so much of this world is constructed, like you're sort of saying, and drama seems to be planned almost because obviously that drives views. And it's insular in the sense that they don't really speak to reporters. They'd rather speak to other people. So it's hard to get to the meat, the essence, the truth of what's actually going on. But I will say that the response to Dawson's other series has been very popular. And like I said, he, these personalities have spoken to him very candidly. So this may have a real impact on the Paul brothers. Time will tell. Time will tell. And if you're interested, you could watch all eight hours of this fun. But I think I'm going to spend my time doing something else. Revy. I will be watching it. Revy will be watching it and unpacking it for us. Thank you so much for doing that due diligence for us. Twitter, we want to hear from you. If you could make a docu-series about anything, what would it be? Send us your pitches using the hashtag AMCDM and don't go away. The iconic Deborah Messing is up next. Hello, my queens. This is The Sit Down. And of course, I am here with the incredible, the iconic, the Emmy Award winning star, <laughs> Will and Grace. Hello, Deborah Messing. Hello. Hi. So good to see you. Is, this, uh, is it good to see it me? Is, it's great to it see is you. It's good to see you. Okay, I, I wanted, before we talk about Will and Grace, I want to talk about you. Yeah. You just had a big birthday. I you look incredible. 50. <sighs> you better do it. You better do it. I'm feeling pretty fierce, you I gotta should. say. You look great. Do you, and your smile, you're giving me everything. What's your secret? Just between us girls. Oh, gosh. Um, first of all, uh, just eating really clean. Okay. It's really boring, but it makes, okay. it, it makes a really big difference. <laughs> yeah. Like, no sugar, mm -hmm. no fried food, no... Okay, no every, cake. I just everything that's cakes. good, like no gluten, okay. no all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, out. Okay. Um, tons and tons of water. Okay. And um, and my smile, um, Colgate Optic White. Okay. It's just the toothpaste. All right. I've been using it for years. Well, it's looks are being served. Thank like. You. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? It's I'm like he's like you drink lots and lots of coffee or or red wine, mm -hmm. and you start like you don't realize how like oh. dull your mm -hmm. your smile gets, mm -hmm. and then you go back and you look in pictures, and you're like, wait a second, mm -hmm. why does my smile look gray? I love it. And it makes you look a little sort of like sad. A little sad. A little and sad. I was like, all right, I got I got up my game. <laughs> <laughs> I got up my game. I gotta I, I gotta get it. something with hydrogen peroxide in Screaming. it. Screaming. Screaming. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know your stuff because you've been icon. You've been in front of you know in front of cameras and just doing. The I've thing. learned a lot. So you learned some things. I've learned a lot, and yeah. also I'm a single mom, and okay. so like I don't got time for things that don't work. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Right? I like, and that 2018, it better work. It better work. It better work. It better they better work. have figured it out by now, and <laughs> if they haven't, next. I love it. Well, let's talk about Will and Grace. Okay. Um, something I loved about the first season coming back last year uh -huh. was that it seems like the joy and the challenge was reintroducing these beloved characters, you know, after years. Absolutely. I mean, 
watching Will and Grace, like it changed my life. I remember I had a friend and we would call each other and watch it on the phone oh. together and do like Jack and Karen's lines. Oh my God. <laughs> Like just really important, you know, to see that growing up in Texas. And so, you know, bringing those characters back for the first season last year. Yeah. What's the big joy this season coming back this week? Oh, you know what? It's um, the whole show is really expanding the season. And so Grace is getting a love life. All right. Right. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> so that's going to be that's joyful for her, okay. <laughs> you know, because she needs to get a little action. All right. And, um, you know, Jack is getting married, mm. which is, that's a big deal. Gosh, now, now, Karen, her life is just kind of <laughs> right but, now because she's getting divorced. Yeah. But, but it opens up doors to some little, some fun times, right? Right. And um, uh, Will is, is uh, going to start teaching at college. I love this. Yeah. And so there's always like young, hot college Tea. guys oh, sitting around, right? Oh, yeah. I'm scandalized. Oh, my gosh. Oprah. Yeah, and David Schwimmer is coming on as my love interest. And we've got all these fantastic guest stars. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alec Baldwin is mm -hmm. back. Chelsea and Handler. Chelsea Handler, Minnie Driver. I mean, it's it's like chock full of great greatness. Incredible. And I feel like the guest stars have always been a big part, a big part of the delight of watching Will and Grace. Do yeah. you have a favorite of these recent guest stars? Oh, gosh. None of them are watching, so you can just, they won't know. You can just tell us. I mean, you know, uh, Alec Baldwin um, has, uh, you know, that character is, is part of the family now. Mm. Um, He's canon. He, it's, it's, <laughs> it's part of our canon. And, um, and Minnie Driver and Blythe, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the people who have been a part of the story before, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the thing that's been really, really special. Yeah. Was there a guest star from the original run that hasn't been able to come back yet, that you're, but you're like really? Oh, gosh. I think it would be really fun to have Matt Damon back. Tell me everything. Right? <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, he just did Saturday Night Live. I mean, right? you know, he's out here stunting. You, re you remember his yeah. episode. What did he do? I mean, he, he was the straight guy who was pretending to be gay so he could be in the all-gay choir. <laughs> it was it with Jack? It was just Jack. <laughs> and then okay. And then I, he had me try and seduce him to, to like, out him as being straight. <laughs> It, it, this has to happen. I mean, it's the, it, it's it, it, it's great. This is this is we yes. need this. Yeah, we deserve this. Yeah, Matt we need Damon. more. We need more of that. And oh, I man. and I think um, Michael Douglas was kind of hilarious. Gosh, as the gay as stars. the gay cop. Oh man, who went after after Will? That was pretty, that was fun times, right there. I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, something I was curious about. Like, do you feel in some ways now it's easier? Certainly, I mean, listen, radical, like a show that's centering gay men and their friendships with women and everything on a sitcom. Yeah. You know, suddenly it's like political. Um, but now I think people are more open talking about politics. Yeah. Uh, have you always been this way? You're pretty outspoken now, but I was wondering if you feel freer as Deborah Messing to talk about politics. Oh, I, d I definitely feel freer. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when I was younger, I, I definitely was more concerned about what people thought of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I don't Move. care. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, yeah. You know, I, I, th I think, um, and I also think it's, it's also been about sort of finding my value. Mm -hmm. You know, when I came to LA, you know, I when I started out, you know, I, I really didn't have a voice. Mm. And I definitely felt like the the men on the set were given more respect than the women. And I knew it was uncomfortable, but I didn't know what to do with it. Okay. And uh, and I had people in my life who were like, you've got to speak up mm. because it's not going to change unless you speak up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started out by just sort of advocating for myself. And then when I realized that that was effective, mm -hmm. then it was like, oh, you know what? M my opinion, you know, I have opinions and I want to share them and I want to start dialogue and, you know, and, and now, um, you know, I get f in fights on Twitter and, you know. And win them. <laughs> And win them. <laughs> and win them. And win them. Thank you very well, much. Well, to that point, Grace, of course, is running for office yes. this season. Yes. And just a couple of weeks, I was talking to Cynthia Nixon. She sat right where you were sitting, and it was really awesome, yes. you know, seeing someone, a proven talent on the stage and on yeah. screen, who's also just a fierce political. Oh, she's she's yeah. incredible. Would you ever run for office? No. <laughs> that unequivocally, no. No, absolutely, absolutely. She's not running. Absolutely not. I do not have the temperament. 
um, you know, there's so much uh, bureaucracy and red tape. Mm -hmm. I think that it would drive me crazy. Like, I would just want to get in there and get things done. Mm -hmm. And I think all of the negotiating and mm -hmm. the, the politics within politics, right. I would just have, like, I, w I would not be able to handle it. No thanks. No, no thanks. When I learned, like, you have to get used to, they call just sitting in the room where you're just on the phone for hours begging people for money. I was like, No, oh, that's yeah, not fun. That would, that would probably tap me out. No. Well, we do want to give you some challenges. Okay. Give you some brief challenges. Okay. Um, you're, you're pretty opinionated, which we've always loved yes. about you. So we want to do uh, a round of yes or mess. <laughs> 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 yes, oh, yes. The signs good. for you. The signs for you. Um, and we just have, you know, some people, and we want to make you make some choices about them. Okay. Um, and topics. Uh, <laughs> Will and Grace as step siblings. Is it a yes or is it a mess? <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about like that kind of coming up on the show? I was shocked. Like I, it really <laughs> when I, I literally fell out of my chair when they said that was happening, and I was like, okay, you've you've actually shocked me. Like, oh, that's good. you know, I never thought that we would go that mm -hmm. far, but it's like they like to paint themselves into corners and to try and force themselves out. So we'll see what happens. How that how that works? Yeah. Um, okay. Pumpkin spice. Yes or mess? Yes. Okay. Why not? Why not? It's, it, it doesn't move my spirit. It, you know, it, 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 you know, it's not something I, I run out to get. Okay. <laughs> but I think that in the, the Thanksgiving holiday, okay. I think that it's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> Very judicious. I support Very judicious. it. Um, Ross Geller. Yes or mess? Say that again. Ross Geller. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, ooh. Okay. Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I mean, fair, fair. Anything you want to add? No, I think that says it all. Yep, yeah, I agree. LaCroix, very controversial around here. LaCroix? Yeah, it's a whole thing in the BuzzFeed office. D I don't know anything about it. Oh my gosh. I, I th let's put that down as a mess. Sparkling. <laughs> is LaCroix, is that water? It's the sparkling, the fancy little. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I was about to say. No, 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 no. Okay. We don't need that. Dang. All right. Y'all heard it. Uh, Kavanaugh. Yes or mess? Yeah, I think we might need a different sign for him. Um, ooh. Kanye. <laughs> Dating. But you can't call him Kanye anymore. Now he's just yay. Is that, is he really going to ask us yay. to stick to that? Yay. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's messy. I'm just gonna, saying, yeah. call me, yay! Yeah, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, we should just go with ye just to troll him. Ye. Uh, one more, and this is close to my heart. Bombshell the musical. Oh, thank God. Whew. Right? It's just iconic. Someone just it's needs to similar. write the story. I just... The book. Oh, right, because we actually because, need the full plot of yes, it. We just have a few yes. of the songs. Yeah, because uh, Julia Houston did not pull off the book. Dang. You know, she was going through some stuff. It was real. Yeah, she was, was going cool. through a lot. But I'm in. You're in? Oh, so. So right. in, too. All right, friends. Deborah Messing, thank you so much. It, Again, this is absolute delight. Oh, gosh. Thank it was so great being here. By. Again, Will and Grace premieres tonight on NBC. Watch it. Tweet it. Let's talk about it. More AM to DM up next. I love it. You can keep... This, that LaCroix moment with Deborah <laughs> stays with me. I think that's, it's just, listen, man, mm. the stars, they're not always like us. Someone on Twitter pointed this out um, earlier this morning that maybe it was like like um, Janet Jackson, like being so wealthy she'd never had heard of Hot Cheetos. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just think, I think, I, I, I love that interview. I think she's an icon. I think she just drinks fancier water than we do. Mm. She on this next level I should have asked, that we I don't should have know asked about. Your, what is your preferred mode of water intake? Of hydration. Yeah. And she would. Oh been right, like, that's what it's called. She would have been like, "You need to up your uh, yeah. income bracket." She's like, first I let of all, you know. I need your credit score, site. <laughs> before I tell you this. Exactly, <laughs> man. Yeah. They're not going to give us all of this. She's fabulous. Also, I'd like to say Deborah Messing's um, pretty tall. Oh yeah. Not like you know, but I you know, it was one that was like, oh, it's tall, beautiful. Woo, it was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you were getting your life. Well, listen, we asked you all if you ever felt compelled to stand up for someone you didn't know, and Monica Rooney shared her story from February when she tweeted this. 
On the subway today, guys started yelling, grabbed a woman of color's drink and threw it on the ground. I jumped up and tried to remember the lists of what to do. I asked her if she was okay. She was. And placed myself between her and him. He had left the subway and a... That's the Toronto Transit Commission. Guys. Nice job, I guy. I dealt with him. Okay. Excellent. I looked that up. So I think you, you live in Toronto. So and that's really great. I think that's important. You check in on the person. Mm -hmm. You try mm -hmm. to come between the two. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what that woman did yes. so well. She immediately started trying to walk that woman mm -hmm. away. Yeah. It's worth watching the video. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a visual, as you said, how to. Like you just pay attention to body language. Pay attention to all things. She makes sure like it has nothing to do with these two women. Like she's right. shielding them. She's not turning. It's just like, pretend they're not even here. Yeah. This is about me and you. And you she's know? firm. Yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah. Go. Go. Yeah. And, it, and it's helpful. We have to think about these things and, and think about how to have an intervention when necessary because it could happen at any time. And listen, I'm one of those people, I tend to freeze up in the moment. Um, and it's very difficult for me to break through my own ice uh, in those anxious moments. So we have to kind of have a plan. And I, I love that, Monica, you said, I have lists. Like, yeah. I've thought through this. Yeah. So. And this Shout out to you, friend. Do. Okay, we asked if you could make your own docu-series about anyone. And Princess Leia said, my docube Series? DocuB series? Yeah, YouTube. Oh, okay. You, oh, God, you. it's a new genre. My DocuB series would honestly be investigating these tasty videos, and why do some of them make make us sad or sleepy, and some of them make me want to punch a wall? Now, Whoa! So, <laughs> here's, Whoa! Here's the that's, thing. That's not what tasty videos make me feel like. Usually during the breaks, when you guys are watching those videos, Isaac and I are, like, getting ready for something and everything, so I rarely see them, but apparently today was, like, chai... Muffins, which sounds kind of gross. Fair enough. I have to admit, I've seen some tasty videos that I, I haven't been down with. See, I, I see some. I see some that I get fired up by. Let me tell you. Okay. Sometimes they give me some life. I don't like their breakfast things. <sighs> don't don't tell them. <laughs> you just told the world. <laughs> Listen, uh, thank you to Tasty and the hard work that they do here at Buzzfeed. Thank, thank you to our guests Deborah Messing, <laughs> Remy Smith, Stephanie McNeil, Nat and Alex Wolf, Zach Stafford, Matt Berman, Sarah Heppelow. That was a great conversation. That was, that and of was. course, Lysandra Villa. If you can believe it, Isaac and I are about to go on yet another road trip. Uh, we are flying to Columbus, Ohio tomorrow. We'll see you soon, Ohio. Um, so Stephanie and our wonderful producer Alex Berg will be back to co-hosting tomorrow. And tomorrow is going to be Friday. So you're almost making it, guys. Keep at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. Oh, you're so high.